But I tell you, get ready to receive and to hear an incredible word from God. And I guarantee you, God's going to touch your heart today. With that said, my spiritual father, Eddie Rodriguez. Amen. You know, Richie had an afro when he went to church when he was that age. You know, could you believe that? He had an afro. And uh, uh, he made me pray a lot, really. I mean, Richard was something else. When, um, when, when I found out that he was going to marry Roz, Roz was a leader. And, and uh, I told Roz, man, you, you run, man. Don't do it. <laughs> but God has done a great work of grace in his life. And I thank God for Rich and Roz. And, um, you know, God has been so good throughout the years. Uh, my wife and I are the next month, right? Women know this. We're going to be 48 years married. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I met my wife when uh, we started dating when she was 12 and I was 13. Isn't that something? Crazy. Got married at 17 and 18 years old. Went straight to Bible college. And uh, she got re- pregnant real quick. Because, you know, it was a sin. In those days, it was a sin to avoid children. They said, you got to use the rhythm method. Yeah, at 18 years old, I'm going to use the rhythm method. So anyway, um, uh, and then I, and, uh, I started preaching when I was 15 years old. I, I got saved. Uh, I was a, pa- a pastor's kid. And as a pastor's kid, I was really rebellious. I, um, I, didn't want to, I didn't want anything to do with the church. I used to go to church because my dad would drag me to church. And he, I had to go. But... Uh, you know, as a PK, I was, I think I was the worst kid in the church. Um, and I started doing other things. You know, I always tell people, I'm, I got a real southern name. My name, my name is Rodriguez, south of the border. You know, and uh, I, got, I was born in the deep south Bronx. So uh, uh, I, was, I was a bad kid. I was a real bad kid. I was doing a lot of crazy stuff. I, was rebel- I rebelled against my dad, the church. My, my, the, uh, uh, I, I, was, I was filled with violence and I was filled with hate. I was running around with a wrong crowd, and, uh, and God is so awesome because this is unbelievable. Um, somebody knocked at our door one, one summer day, and, and uh, when I opened the door, this small older lady from Dominican Republic uh, walked in uh, from the airport. We didn't know her. We didn't know who she was. No one knew her. She walked in with a box because she was so poor, she, didn't, she couldn't afford a luggage, and she walked in. And she didn't say nothing. She didn't say hello or anything. She just knelt down in the middle of our living room and started praying. And she prayed for about half an hour. And when she stood up, I'm like, you know, who are you? And she said, God spoke to me in my country to come here because the pastor's kids are lost. And I'm not leaving till they get saved. And I, I said, I hate this lady. I hate her. I, I disliked her immediately. And uh, my, my dad and mom gave her a room, and uh, she, all she did with fast, was fast and pray. She would pray for my soul every day. And I, I disliked her. And she said, I'm not leaving till you get saved. And I'm saying, I'm going to have to move out of here because I can't stand this lady. And the thing about it was she wasn't a, a preacher of grace. You know, she was one of these old-time Pentecostal preachers that would, you know, she would look. She'd point her finger in my face. Repent or you're going to hell. I'm like, oh, great. So I tried to sneak away every time. I would try to go down the hall and, 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 and sneak away so she won't uh, say anything to me. But she had this knack of knowing when I was in front of her door. And every time I'd be in the front, she'd open the door. and said, repent. And then one day, one day, she'd open the door and said, you're going to give a big crusade in my country. You're an evangelist. And I went up to my mother. She was in the, uh, in, the, in the kitchen. I said, mommy, I know she's crazy. I said, I'm not even a Christian, and she's giving me a crusade in her country. She's nuts. Yeah, of course, I didn't understand at that moment that God looks at us with eyes of love and grace. And he's, he prophetically speaks of what we are in his eyes. So uh, the day came when I, I, I smoked something that I thought I was going to die. And uh, I'm not going to say what happened, uh, the whole process, but I gave my heart to Christ in my bedroom. And I knelt down and alone, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. I was born again. I started singing all my gospel songs. I was all alone in my room. I was joyously converted and saved and washed in the blood of Jesus. And I was, oh, I was just transformed. So being that my dad always talks about you got to give it, you got to do it publicly. You have to give your heart to Christ. If you don't confess it before man, he'll deny you and blah, blah, blah. So I said, all right. 
So I waited for Sunday, and, and Sunday came, and uh, the preacher made the calling, and I went forward, and I started, I knelt on the altar, I started weeping and crying, and guess who stood behind me? That old saint. And she was like this. I'm, I'm literally just staring at me. And when I would stop crying, she'd go, keep crying. <laughs> and you know, I did give the crusade in the country. And God did a miracle in her life. So, you know, at 19 years old, I, I, at 15 years old, I started preaching. I felt compelled. I didn't know what I was saying. I didn't know theology. I didn't know, didn't go to Bible school. But I had a testimony. And I wanted everyone to know about it. God gave me a tremendous responsibility. I felt a tremendous burden and responsibility to tell people about Jesus. I still feel that, by the way. Amen. I mean, I was in Manhattan the other day, and I saw a crowd of people. I just stood in the corner and started preaching. Amen. In Times Square. And, and uh, it's, it's just, you got to do it. If, if God puts that burden in your heart. And, you know, uh, at 19 years old, I got a call from my superintendent, my district leader. And he said, listen, there's a little church in Yonkers. Uh, I, I've been preaching since I'm 15. At 16 years old, I got my credentials in the Assemblies of God. And he says, you, uh, there's a little church in Yonkers. Nobody wants it. They don't pay a salary. Uh, we can't find a pastor. And you're in Bible college, so why don't you? are not doing anything, so just, you know. And I said, fine. I, I have a problem. I want to go. So the thing about it was that my wife didn't want me to be a, a pastor. And I didn't want to be a pastor. Now, I've been an evangelist since I'm a, a teenager. So she says, no, I don't want you to be a pastor. Uh, you know, I didn't marry a pastor. I said, I know, honey, but, you know, it's just in the meantime. So no, not a problem. So uh, the deacons got together and told my wife and I, listen, you guys are very young. I mean, she was 18. I'm 19. He says she was pregnant. And, uh, and, and he said, and they said, you got to dress like older folks because you look too young. And the church might not accept you. You know, when we present you as the pastor, they might vote against you. So make sure you dress real old. But my wife didn't want to come out. So she showed up with sneakers and two ponytails. Amen. But I was elected anyway, and I was there just for a little while, but that little while turned into 10 years. And God blessed, that's what Richie and Andy met the Lord. And God blessed us richly. At 27 years old, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you're going you're to write a book. And I said, okay, you know, whatever. But everywhere I went, all my life, the Holy Spirit, would, the prophets would tell me, you got to write a book, you're going to write a book, you're going to write a book. And I'm like, you know, I, I didn't feel the green light. I knew I had to do it, but I, I didn't just, I just didn't feel it. But about a, couple, about a year or two ago, the Holy Spirit just gave me the green light. I sat down. And I'm not a writer. I'm, uh, you know, I just started writing my experiences. Everything that God told me in my spirit that I should share. You saw at 19 years old when I started pastoring, I didn't know, I didn't know how to speak Spanish. I was a Spanish church. And uh, I, I had no experience. And God had to teach me uh, through, through so many situations, dreams, revelations, as an evangelist about healing the sick. And all the experiences that I went through, all the good, the bad, and the ugly. Stuff that I kept in my heart as a pastor that almost destroyed my ministry. And all these things that happened in my life. And I said, I wish somebody would have written a book and talked about the Christian life and especially the ministry uh, before I started. So the Holy Spirit told me, well, you write it. So I wrote this book. It's called, I'm Called, Now What Am I Going to Do? And, uh, and I thank God for Roz because after I, re- I wrote it, I didn't know what to do with it. I couldn't organize it. And Roz... Uh, got got uh, together with me, and she organized it for me. She she did everything, and I thank God. And she didn't charge me anything. That's the best thing. Amen. And I thank God for her. Thank God for Roz and Richie. They've been a blessing in my life. Praise God. I want you to open up your Bibles with me. Amen. First of Corinthians chapter 11. By the way, I did bring the book. It's in Spanish and, and in English. It's, you know, we have two separate volumes. So if anybody interested... Uh, I recommend it highly. I, I know the author. I think God led him in, into it. And you're going to be blessed. I know you're going to be blessed. Amen. I've got people that have uh, uh, read it and uh, they keep reading it. They keep telling me, hey, I can't stop reading. I got to read it again and again and again. I got a call from a director of education of a major denomination. And they're going to they're gonna give a class on pastoral theology. And they're going to use this book as the, as the book, the textbook for the class. And... Uh, I got a call from the Cuba, and Cuba, the church in Cuba ordered 5,000 books uh, because the, the leader read it, and he feels that it's, it's, a, it's breathed of the Holy Spirit, so we praise God for that. First, first of Corinthians chapter 11, uh, there's a verse in that chapter 
that scares me. It really does. When I first, when I read it and, and I saw what the Holy Spirit showed me, I, I, I was like, oh my, wow, this is scary. That Jesus had to say what he said. When he gave the last supper in verse 24, he says, and when he had given thanks, he break it and said, this is my body, which is for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would just touch the hearts and give them a revelation of that word, Father God. And that we may be edified and blessed. And I thank you because even as I speak, you said in your word that you would confirm it by healing the sick and setting the captive free. And I give you thanks for what you're doing and what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Think about it. Jesus said... Do this in remembrance of me. What does that imply? The implication is very, very clear. That there's going to come a time when a church that calls itself Christian will not remember why they're there. Christ will not be the center of that church. And it's sad to say, but I have been all over the world. I've heard thousands of preachers. And I've, I've been in churches that the message they preach can be preached in any place, in any lodge, in any a uh, positive thinking place. Christ is no longer the center of the message of the church. The cross was only preached on Easter. I remember one day I went to a church in 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 in, uh, in Michigan, and when I finished preaching, the, the I pro, I preached on the cross, and uh, one of the members came up to me and says, "Pastor, it's been years we don't hear a message on the cross," and that's scary. That is so scary. We're living a very self-centered gospel. It's all about you. It's all about, it's a humanist, secular humanist gospel. What can I get from it? What's in it for me? And Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what this is all about. It's not about you. It's about him. It's not what you want. It's what he wants. You see, when Jesus said, if you believe in me and you want to follow me, and this is really good, something says, you have to take up your cross daily and follow me and deny yourself. Deny yourself. Lord, I want this. Fine. But this is what I want. And this is what you got to do. You see, we don't like that. We want to we wanna do what we want to do because this is the way I feel. This is the way I am. And Jesus is telling you, take up that cross every day. Deny yourself, for he that loses his life will find it. We don't like to hear that. We we, want to hear a a feel-good gospel. I want to get out of here feeling like I am so good. God is good. God is good. And it's about him. It's not about you. Now, look at what verse 26 says. And this is what I want to get to real quick. It says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. In other words, the message is is about his death. And now, I don't want to undervalue his resurrection. Because I believe that if he wouldn't have risen from the dead, then what he did on the cross would have been fake. But the fact that he rose from the dead... Shows that what he did on the cross was real. You see, when he died, nothing happened. Oh, when he when he rose from the dead, nothing happened. There was no noise. There was nothing. Nothing. No one even found out about it till they saw the empty tomb. But when he died on the cross, <laughs> when he died on that cross, the curtain was broken in two in the temple. There was an earthquake. Some dead rose from the grave. Soldiers beat their breast and recognized that he was the son of God. It was a a cataclysmic, powerful reaction that the earth and the spiritual kingdom was shaken when Jesus said, it is finished. You see, it was on the cross. I remember when I was a a young pastor, I was young and a teenager and I didn't look like a pastor. And I'm walking on, on 42nd and 5th Avenue and I see these kids singing. And they're singing our songs. They're lifting their hands. They're saying hallelujah. And I'm like, wow. 
But something was not right. You know, I just felt in my spirit. I don't know that something's not right. So when he finished preaching, I got up and I says, listen, let me ask you something. You believe Jesus is Lord? Yeah. You believe in, in, in that, that he died? Yeah. Uh, you believe that he's coming back? Yeah. Do you believe in, in the, the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost? You speak in, oh, yes, 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 yes. And then they said, listen, we're having a service right now on the second floor in this place. And would you come with us? And I'm thinking, well, I, I got to find this out. So I said, well, I'd like to go with you, but I want to ask questions. I want to be able to ask questions. They said, you can ask all the questions you want. I said, fine. So they led me like a lamb to slaughter, one on my right, one on my left. And they took me to the service, and I sat down. It was a packed house, and they were singing our songs. They were lifting up their hands and saying hallelujah and, and all that stuff. And I'm, but I didn't feel the spirit. I said, there's something wrong here. So the teacher got up, or the preacher, the pastor, I don't know who he was. There was a big chalkboard. He took a, a chalk, and he said, the first thing he said, he drew a circle, and he said, God is masculine and feminine. So I rose my hand. I raised my hand and he said, and he looked around like, why is this guy raising his hand? So I says, listen, I'm sorry, but these guys told me that if I come, I can ask questions. He says, okay, let me finish. So I put my hand down. And then he said, and when Christ came, John the Baptist didn't believe in him, just like Billy Graham will not accept that the Messiah from Korea, Reverend Sung Young Moon, has come back. And I raised my hand. And he looked at me and says, when I'm finished, I said, I raised, put my hand down. And then he said, when Jesus died on the cross, he failed his mission. Because he came to marry the perfect woman. He couldn't find her because I got her. I was going to say something else, but I'm not going to say it. So, and I mean it. So, uh, he said, and he was going to marry this perfect woman and have uh, perfect children so they can start a new race. It sounded like Hitler, didn't it? And, and then, but I realized that every time I rose my, I, I, I would rise, raise my hands, he would talk more. So I said, Lord, give me patience. Take away my impulse. Father, give me patience. I don't want to raise my hand. So I waited till he finished. And he was like, he couldn't talk anymore. I think he was trying to talk enough so that I would forget the fact that I wanted to ask questions. And he would talk to, and he talked till he couldn't talk no more. And uh, he looked around and I went. And he said, yes. I says, do you mind? I think at that moment the Holy Spirit took over because I don't know why I did this. And I, and, and I didn't know what I was doing. I, well, you know, now I think about it. I says, why did I do that? I says, do you mind if I go up to the stage? He says, no. I said, do you mind if I grab your chalk? He said, here. I said, do you mind if I write on the blackboard? He says, go ahead. So I, 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 I took the chalk and I drew a line from one end to the other. And I said, I want you to imagine in your mind, I told everybody in that, and you know what? Well, anyway. when, I said, imagine that that's a bloodline, okay? I says, when Adam and Eve, God told them if they sin, they will surely die. So when they sinned, the first thing that died was an animal that God sacrificed to cover their shame. And then I went on to say how when, when uh, the people of Israel were going through uh, the situation in Egypt, that God told Moses, tell the people to kill a lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. And when the angel comes to kill the firstborn, he would see the blood and it would pass over. Amen. He, God didn't care if you go to church, didn't, think of, didn't look at your lifestyle. He didn't see if you gave offerings or tithes or anything like that. The only thing the angel looked was if there was blood on your doorpost. That's the only thing that saved you, the blood of that lamb. And I told him, and the people of Israel had to kill an innocent lamb every year because it was an imperfect sacrifice. And he had that innocent Lamb had to die and shed his blood in order to have forgiveness of their sins temporarily. And it really didn't work. Until God provided a lamb. And when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he didn't say, behold the groom. He said, behold the lamb of God. He raised his hand. I said, when I'm finished. And he put his hand down. And then I drew a big cross on the chalkboard and I said, he did not fail when he died on that cross. He did not fail. He overcame sin, Satan, death and sickness on that cross. And without the shedding of blood, all you people here in this place are lost. And you know what I was giving that class? 
everyone from the staff, the office, everybody was there. Everybody going, what's going on here? I had to run out. The leader wanted to hit me. It got violent. He started poking me and yelling at me. And I'm like, okay, I'm out of here. I did what I had to do. But you know something? Paul said something very beautiful. He said, we have to identify and know the suffering of Christ to participate of the power of his resurrection. So I want to take you to a little journey. And let's talk about Jesus a little while. You see, when Jesus came to this earth, Satan knew what was going on. You know, a lot of people say, well, who took Christ to the cross? Was it the devil? Was it the Jews? Was it the, the Romans? Was it our sin? And, and, and spiritually speaking, the one that took Christ to the cross was not the devil. It was the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus told Pilate, you have no power unless my Father gives it to you. So we see that before the foundation of the world, the Father had already offered his son. Abraham took Isaac. The father took the son. So when Jesus was born, Satan tried to stop him. The, he, the Bible says that, that, that all the firstborn of all the children that were born during that time, Herod sent to kill. When Jesus was in the mount of temptation, the devil told him, listen, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you the kingdoms. In other words, this is a shortcut. You don't have to go where you're going. And when Jesus told the disciples, I must die, the Bible says that Satan inspired Peter and said, have pity on yourself. Don't let this happen to you. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. For it was God's will and God's doing that Jesus Christ was going to be the ultimate sacrifice. That no one would ever have to kill something else or shed any blood or even go to hell because of their sin. That Jesus did it for you and for me. Now, when the time came, which is the verses that I read, he suffered. You know, there's a, there's a verse in, 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 in the Psalm 69 that says very clearly, I looked for comforters and I looked for someone to have compassion of me, and I found none. In Psalm 69, reproach has broken my heart. I am filled with heaviness. I looked for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. You know, Jesus approached his disciples, and he wanted them to minister to him. There's very few people that know how to minister to the Lord. Like I say, we're always, it's always about me. It's always about me. You know, I love, I love the story of Martha and Lazarus and, 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 and Maria. I love that story. Because while everybody was grabbing him and touch, heal me, touch me, I think Martha would go up to him and, and Maria says, Jesus, when you finish here, go home. I got the best meal for you. We got the best meal. If Jesus would have been Puerto Rican, it was rice and beans with steak and fried plantains. Maduro, Maduro. So, and, 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 they, and, and they probably gave him the best chair, you know. And they gave him the remote control. To, and they said, Jesus, just, just, just rest. They loved him and they ministered to Jesus. But the Bible says that when, when, when Jesus told his disciples, they didn't even listen. The first thing they said was, they started fighting over who's going to sit in his right and his left. No compassion, no mercy, no ministry to him. And then he took three of his disciples to go with him to the, to the garden of Gethsemane. And they fell asleep. Why did he take them? He wanted comfort. He wanted company. But the Bible says that it was, there was such a spirit of heaviness. And the sadness was so palpable that the disciples had heavy hearts and they fell asleep. And then Jesus started praying and said, Father, if it's possible, pass this cup from me. He was actually asking the Father to pass this cup. And he prayed the same prayer three times. He would always end up with these last words, but not, will, not my will be done, but yours. And this is what's very telling. How much he suffered and how much terror had gripped his heart. You know, it's, it's, it's weird that I can say actually Jesus was going through a moment of depression. He was going through a moment of great sadness. He was in terror of what was to wait. What was coming to him. And an angel came. Now what did the angel do? 
I don't know. But it said it comforted him. Maybe he took Jesus and put his head on his lap and started washing his tears away and said, you can do it. This is a very strong, horrible situation for you. But you are going to do it. And he strengthened him. The night they took Christ. And and I'm going to say this real quick. You know, I've heard preachers all my life. And I've heard it. I even heard it the other day on television. And I said, that's not true. I mean, it sounds nice, but it's not true. That the same crowd that yelled, Hosanna, Hosanna, now are yelling, crucify him. Now, do you really think Martha and Maria are going to yell, crucify him? Come on. Do you really think Bartimaeus is going to say crucify? Do you really think that? No, Zachariah? That was a different crowd. Because I believe that if they would have taken... You see, they, they had to pay Judas to tell them where he was alone at night before the crowd. And take him and quickly pass him through an unjust system so that they can crucify him before his crowd would wake up. They had to pay Judas for that. Because I'm going to tell you something. If they would have taken him during the day when he was surrounded by people that he was ministering to, you know what what would happen? I think Maria would have grabbed a bat. A two by four. I think uh, Lazarus would have grabbed a a, a rock. And and I think uh, Maria would have kicked somebody where it hurts. And I think that that crowd would have killed those soldiers. Because they loved them. So it wasn't the same crowd. Believe me, it wasn't the same crowd. In spite of what you've heard all your life. So they grabbed Jesus. Judas betrayed him with a kiss. But I'm going to tell you something. I, I do believe this. I believe that if Judas would have repented. He would have gone to the cross. While Jesus was hanging there. And say, I, I failed. I'm sorry Lord. I really believe Jesus would have said. Get a little closer. Let one drop fall on you. That's it. One drop will do you. I think Jesus would have been, would have raised from the dead and say, tell the disciples, Peter and my buddy Judas to wait for me in Galilee. Because God's forgiveness is that way. I love it because the blood of Jesus washes away all sin. All sin. It washes it all. And they took Christ. Now this is the, this is the, the situation. And you ask yourself, what was Jesus terrified of? Maybe the physical abuse. It could be. It's part of it. But I think there's more than that. So what did they do with Christ? They started beating him up, kicking him, spitting on him, punching him in the face. They grabbed the stick and started hitting him. They tied him to a, 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 to a post and started whipping him. And I think if Jesus didn't know what was going on, it would have been someone else. He would have said, when he, they slapped him, he would have said, why? Why are you hitting me? When they spit on him and they kicked him, they said, why are you doing this to me? All I did was heal the sick. All I did was bless your children. All I did was deliver the, the bound and cast out devils. All I did was forgive sins. Why are you doing this to me? I don't, know, I don't get it. Why are you hitting me? What have I done to you? You see, the Bible says that people love darkness because they hate the light and they love their deeds. And they took him. The Bible says they pulled his beard to the point where his face was disfigured in Isaiah. And they, 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 they dragged him through the streets. They took away his clothes. He was naked. You know, in pictures you see a loincloth. He was naked. They just ripped him. They destroyed him. They wanted to shame him. They wanted to put him in the worst position. And as they put, put the cross in the hole on the ground, the Bible says all his, all his jo- joints were disjointed with violence. And there he was on that cross. And I'm sure the devil was telling him, hey, what are you doing? You're, you're, you're dying for these people? You're dying for these people? Why? Look at what they're doing to you. Just curse them, man. Pray to the Father. Send angels. Get rid of them. Maybe some angels stood up and said, Father, I can't take this anymore. Come on, give us, give us, give us, give us the word. Give us the commandment. Tell us what to do. We're, we'll take care of it. And the Father says, no, leave him alone. Leave it alone. I'm sure the angels were desperate. I'm sure the angels were desperate as Satan was trying to tell them, come on, curse people. Don't die for them. What are you doing? And in that moment, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, this is the moment that he dreaded. I believe this is the moment he dreaded. When the Father took his eyes off of him. You see, because God is holy. You know what the Bible says? It says it in the word, trust me, it says it. You want it? I'll give you the verses afterwards. 
I'm going to redeem the time. It says Jesus became curse. He became curse. As a matter of fact, another verse says he became sin. You know what it is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, became all the sins of the world were on him. Not on him. He became all the, all the, all the murderers and, and pedophiles and adultery, all the lies and jealousy and, 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 and bitterness, all the sins that you can think of and has not been invented yet, Jesus became on that cross. And the father had to take his eyes off of his son because he couldn't stand to look at that sinful situation. His son became sin. And he died on that cross. As he agonized and he said, Father, why are you looking away? What's going on? Father, why have you forsaken me? And that was the moment he dreaded. That was the moment. And all of a sudden, when his blood was fully shed, when, it, when the, the, the deed was done, when he shed his blood and he reconciled the Father with you and me, the Son shone once again and said, Father, it is finished. In thy hands I commend my spirit. And you know what happened, right? The curtain was broken in two. There was an earthquake. Some dead prophets rose from the grave. I would have loved to have been there. And Jesus said, it is finished. And you know what? This is the thing. In the day of Pentecost, if you read Peter's message, it was all about he rose. He rose. You guys killed him. If you would have known what you did, you wouldn't have done it. But he rose again. So the message was, Jesus is alive. He rose again. Not until Paul got saved, and, the, and if you go to theology school, it's called the Pauline Revelation. Paul was the one that God revealed to him. It wasn't so much about him raising from the dead. The message was not his, his resurrection. The message was his death. And then Paul started explaining it, and he said this beautiful verse in Colossians, that when he died on the cross, he nailed all the things that were against us, and he... This, he, he stripped the devil of his power and he publicly put to shame the devil and now declares the world forgiven by his blood. Hallelujah. Now he looks on the world not with wrath and not with anger. He looks at everyone through the blood of his son and now he's declared as holy. And that's the good news. You see, that's the good news, is, is, is that Jesus has forgiven you already. All you need to do is repent and accept him as your Lord and Savior. Because your sins have been forgiven on that cross. Now, look at Peter. Peter's new to this, you know. Peter, all he did was preach to the Jews. That's all he did. So, God had to reveal to him something that to me, it's a tremendous revelation. I mean, God showed me his, the significance of this dream, and it just overwhelmed me. When he was praying and fasting, he saw a sheep come down from heaven with all sorts of unclean animals. Unclean animals. And God told him, Peter, kill it and eat it. And he says, Lord, no unclean animal has ever touched my lips. And God rebuked him and said, Do, don't ever call unclean what I have sanctified. And he had that dream three times. That God has sanctified. The unclean. Then he got a knock on the door. And these guys came in and said, our boss, this Roman Italian, sent us to you. That God showed him that you're going to show him a better way. Now, let me tell you, if it wasn't for that dream, Peter would not, would not have gone. So Peter went into Cornelius. Now, you could imagine this Jewish guy that thinks that the gospel is only for Jews. When he goes into the house, the first thing Cornelius does is worship him. He says, oh, 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 hey, hey, buddy, get up do that what's the matter with you he wasn't a new yorker but he spoke more or less like that and he, he said what's the matter with you man forget about it get up you're gonna worship me i'm just like you what are you doing everybody want to worship he said, i think peter was like a hen in a a, a cockroach in a, in a hen house he said what the you know what's going on and then he, he saw all these idols and everybody dressed like paganistic and he probably smelled the, the, the pork chops you know if it was a puerto rican house it was a pernil you know and and he's smelling this and he, he said this unclean animal they're cooking and, and everybody's dressed like pagans they got idols everywhere they want to worship me and I'm here ah! that's the way he was he was looking at it and then he started preaching because he had to I, I think he told his partner let me hurry up and get out of here I'm going to preach and get out of here I don't know what I'm doing here so he started preaching and you know what I believe I really do believe this it's, just, it's not hyperbole it's not exaggeration I'm not talking evangelistically I really believe this I, the Holy Spirit while he was speaking 
decided to do something. You know why? Peter didn't know how to finish the message. So what am I going to do? Should I circumcise the men first? Maybe I should bar mitzvah for the kids. Uh, I don't know, take him to the center. Says, how am I going to finish this? So the Holy Spirit said, okay, Peter, shut up. And the Bible says the Holy Ghost fell on all of them. And they all started speaking in tongues and prophesying. Among their idols, among their, 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 their ungodly garb, uh, um, uh, in the midst of that smell, in the midst of whatever alcohol smell, pot smell. God doesn't look at that. God looks at the heart. Amen. And right there the Holy Ghost came and filled them with the Holy Ghost. I think Peter went. He's confused. He said, what is this? You see, God declared them holy on the cross. And all they needed was a heart that was seeking him. Because, you know, God doesn't really look at the name of your church. He doesn't really care about that. He's not moved by the name of your church. He doesn't get, he doesn't get, he doesn't marry the assembly of God. He does, God doesn't really care. Man, you can be in a hen house or a stable like happened in Azusa Street. People that love God and the Holy Ghost is going to come on them. You can have a name out there that's crazy and God will Man, I know Jehovah witnessed. Yeah, Jehovah witnessed. Kingdom halls have been visited by God. You see, because there's people there with a heart that for God. And God knows that. I saw Muslims one day praying in a, in a mosque. And everyone started crying. And the Holy Ghost came in that place. You know, God's grace and love goes beyond what you think. He'll, he, he jumps fences. If you put him in a fence, he'll jump the fence. There was a, an African pastor the other day in my church, last Wednesday, uh, Raphael Burumu, something like that. Bumuro, Burumuro, Burumuro, I don't know. So anyway, I had heard the story through a missionary, and I met the pastor that had happened. He went to my church, and he told me the story. He is surrounded, he's a pastor in Kenya, and he's surrounded by mosques and Muslims, and they hate him. So what they did was they called this guy that was like, like Paul. He was, his, he was famous for organizing riots. And destroying Christian churches. He was, he had that, he had that charisma. So they contracted him from the Middle East to come to Kenya to organize the Muslims to destroy this church and to raise a crowd against it. The day before he was going to do that, he was in a hotel in Kenya and he started speaking in tongues. He felt an overwhelming glory come upon his life and he started speaking in tongues and he said, wait a minute, this is a Pentecostal thing. So he went to the pastor that he was supposed to persecute at night so no one would see him because you, he can be killed. And he went up, he knocked on the door and the pastor saw him and said, what is this? He, he said he didn't even want to receive him. And he says, do you mind if I go in? He said, oh, okay. And he told him what had happened. And the pastor led him to Jesus and he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he had to escape from that place because God met him in that place. That's what God does. That's what God, God's love is when he, he meets you and he has ordained you because God's, God, has, God wills that no one should perish but that all should come to repentance. So when he died on that cross, he forgave the sins of the world. And I'm going to be finishing now. And he gave the church authority. And let me tell you, once you, once you, once you become a Christian, uh, there's no reason for you to, to be afraid of the devil. I, I can't understand Christians that, that sleep with their light on. They're so full of fear that if they see a shadow that was produced by the curtain, they start praying. The Bible says he will flee from you. It doesn't say you will flee from him. There was a couple in my church in Filippo, Ricardo and, 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 and Aguilar and his wife Nilda. They were looking for an apartment. They found this beautiful apartment. Humongous, cheap, dirt cheap. They said, Pastor, this is a miracle. I said, praise God. But what happened, they didn't know that there was a spiritist that lived next door. And every night she would have a seance. And people would come from Connecticut, New Jersey, all over the tri-state area to her house. And they would have these seances. And there was screaming and demonic possessions and, and noise. They couldn't sleep. And he went up to me and says, Pastor, I'm going to have to move. Now I know why they gave it to me for cheap. I says, no, you don't have to move. She's got to move. I said, God didn't call us to flee. He called us to put the enemy to flight. I said, I want you to do something. I said, get, get a bottle of oil. Bring it here. Let's pray for this oil. It's symbolic, I know. I said, let's pray for this oil. And I want you to anoint the, the, the wall. So when they start doing their thing, you start praying and asking God to send his angels of war and stop it in Jesus' name. 
A week later, he, the lady went up to him and said, I'm going to have to move. He says, why? He says, something's going on. The spirits are not moving. So she moved. Let's get Jesus in a hand clap. You see, you have to understand, when Jesus died on the cross, he destroyed the enemy completely. So when you come to Christ, you become an ambassador of the Lord. You have more power in your little finger than the devil has in his whole kingdom. Because you are washing the blood and you are a son of God. Yeah, the devil walks around like a, like a lion seeking whom to devour. But if you look closely, the devil has no teeth. That lion is toothless. I like the way they say it in Puerto Rico. <laughs> he is toothless. Because the Bible says in Psalm that he hit the enemy in the cheek and broke all his teeth. So he took away his power. He took away. He's, he's just a, a paint and, 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 and body, but he has no engine. Jesus Christ destroyed him on the cross. And I'm going to finish with this. When I was 15 years old, you know, I would get up an hour before going, going to church, uh, to school. I, I lived in the South Bronx. I had to take the IRT 138 Street and, and Brook Avenue. And my school was Central Commercial on 42nd Street. So I had to take that train every morning, 7 in the morning. But that day I got up and I didn't pray. I was too sleepy and I wanted to stay in bed. And my mother ripped the sheet off of me and said, you're going to school. I said, mommy, I don't want to go to school. She said, you are going to school. I give you five minutes. I said, mommy, please leave me alone. I want to sleep. So she grabbed the famous weapon of the Puerto Rican mother, the chancleta, the slipper. And she started hitting me. Get up, get up, get up. So I got up, man, and I said, man, I, 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 she kicked me out of the house, and I'm tired, I'm sleepy. You know, most teenagers are always sleepy and tired. I got to, and I, and, I, and I went, you know, and those of you that have been in a, in a train in New York City at 7 in the morning, that wagon that fits 100 people, about 1,000 people get in there. If you fall down, they will run over you, you know, and, and, and people are like sardines. And, and, I, and I looked for a hanger, and I wanted to keep sleeping. Because you see, in New York, in the train station at 7 in the morning, you could sleep standing up because where are you going to fall? <laughs> and I, I have seen people, this is no exaggeration, I have seen people asleep drooling on the guy next to them. <laughs> so I'm looking for a hanger, and, I'm, and I want to get some Z's, you know. And all of a sudden, I feel something strange. And I look to my side, and I see this little lady. With big eyes, short hair, about 80 or 90 pounds, and I'm doing her a favor. And she's looking at me like, and you know what? You know, sometimes when you pray, you say, man, I don't feel nothing. I pray it. And, you know, you start with, oh, Lord, huh? forget it. When you're in trouble, you just go straight to the throne. You say, I don't care about feeling nothing. I say, Lord, have mercy. Father. And, and, and then she falls down on the floor and starts writhing like a snake and foaming at the mouth and spitting at me. So I knew at that moment that that lady was demon-possessed. There was four men trying to grab her, and she would put her, her head between their legs and look at me and spit at me and curse at me. And I said, esto conmigo, man. This, is, this has to do, she, she's got it for me. What's wrong with her? I don't know her. I don't know you, lady. But it was a demonic presence. So what happened? Let me tell you something. I felt compelled, now I know it was the Holy Spirit, to pray for her. That she need, Something told me, they're going to take you to Bellevue Hospital. And she, she's not crazy. She's demon-possessed. And you got to cast that devil out. And I said, okay, let me look for a Pentecostal. You know, because in those days, back in the early 70s, and the late 60s, Pentecostals were very visible. He said, the lady had the bun, the long dress, and the hairy legs. <laughs> the men had a tie and a, and a suit, even if they were janitors. And a big Bible you can choke a mule with, you know. And I'm looking around because I see them every day. And I didn't see them. What happened was, I don't know where the people went. But that wagon got emptied out, almost emptied out. I think they were in the shoulders of somebody else in the other wagons. I think there were some Pentecostals up there too. And I'm looking. I said, oh my God, I, there's nobody here. And, and the Lord is just pressing in me to pray for it. And I got mad at God. I said, Lord, why didn't you warn me? I would have fasted. If you would have warned me... I don't know if you know this, Father, but I had a fight with my mother this morning. I'm in the flesh. In, in Puerto Rico, in our church, Spanish, we say, Estoy en la chuleta. I'm in the pork chop. Man, I'm in the pork. I said, how am I going to pray for this lady? Why didn't you warn me? I would have prayed this morning. I would have fought with my mother. God, I'm in the flesh. And then God started pressing and pressing me. And he said, okay, God. I started quoting the scriptures to God. I said, okay, I'm going to obey you. 
But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to pray for her like they do in my church. Because in my church, if you got demon-possessed man, they jump on you and start screaming at you, pulling your hair, shaking your head. Come out, come out, come out. and sm- Get out. And I said, if I start doing that, if the cops come, they're going to lock us both up. And we're both crazy. I said, and something else, God. The word of God says, your word says that I speak to the mountain just once. It'll move if I believe it. So I'm going to speak once. I'm once. If it comes out fine, if not, I'm leaving. Or it leaves or me, I leave. That, I'm, I'm just going to fulfill what you're asking me to do. That's it. And then I said, and the devil is not deaf. So I'm going to say it very quiet. No one's going to hear me. And I'm, I'm going to obey you, but that, those are the rules. Those are my rules. You know, you, we do that to God sometimes. You know? it's like, These are my rules, and this is biblical. You know? I gave God a Bible lesson. <laughs> so the guys are there, and, then, and I'm like, okay. So I walked by and I said, in the name of Jesus. I whispered it and mumbled it. In the name of Jesus. And I was going to go. I was going to leave. I was just walking to leave. And right there she yelled. The demon yelled and said, no. And came out. She was set free. Now. I'm a 15 year old kid. I didn't know what I was doing. But you know what God showed me at that moment? The authority and the power that is given to everyone that has come to Christ. If you only knew what Christ did on that cross. How he totally destroyed the enemy. And has sent you forth as soldiers and warriors to invade darkness with an anointing and a power that if if you only knew. The other day a young man came up to me and said, Pastor, why don't we see what we used to see in the church before demons leave? And I said, because you're not doing it. Simply because you're not doing it. God doesn't use superstars. He uses Christians, just normal Christians. Because you've been dressed with his armor and you've been called and separated for his glory. And the devil is more afraid of you than you are afraid of him. That's what Christ did on the cross. He's given us power over sin, power over demons. And I'm going to tell you something else. I, didn't, I haven't spoken about this in the other places because I've been limited in my time. But Richie told me you're not limited. So I'm going to finish it off with this third thing. Whenever you see a preacher say, I'm going to finish with this, he's lying. He's lying. So, and you know, another thing that God showed me is we have authority over governments. Authority over governments. You know how many times I've been to places to have a crusade and they tell me there is a law that says you cannot have religious service in this place. And I have prayed and rebuked it in my spirit. And the guy has come back and says, I don't know why, but I'm going to give it to you. The Lord told me once, put a tent in the parking lot of your church in downtown Lake Worth. And, and, and uh, I started asking around. And the pastors told me, Eddie's not going to happen. They don't allow assembly tents, only fireworks, furniture, but not an assembly. It's against the law within the city limits. I said, but God told me to put a tent in my house. So I went to the engineer and I said, you know, I said, Lord, confuser, Father, confuser, confuser. You know, there's times when you got to pray that way. The Bible says that God confused the enemy in the, in the battle. So I told the city engineer I wanted to do it. She says, I, uh, I don't know why you're asking me. You got to ask the police chief. I went to the police chief. I says, I want permit to put a tent in my church. He says, why are you asking me? Why did they send to me? I asked the fire chief. I went to the fire chief. Fire chief, I want to put up a tent. He says, why did they send you to me? I have nothing to do with that. Go back to the city engineer. I went to the city engineer. He says, listen, everybody said, you, you're the one who makes the decision. He says, all right, pastor, just put it. <laughs> I didn't ask for any paper or nothing. I said, so I'm putting up the tent. I'm putting up the tent, a humongous tent. We're going to have a tremendous 45-day crusade of healing and deliverance for 45 days. So we're putting up the tent. The inspector, fire inspector comes in. He says, what are you doing? I said, what do you mean what are you doing? Where are your permits? I says, I don't have any permits. He says, this is illegal. Put it down. I says, no, the the city engineer told me to do it. And if you make me put this down, I'm going to sue the city. Because sometimes you got to be a lion and sometimes you got to be a lamb. You got to know when to be the lamb and when to be the lion. Amen. You, you know what I mean, right? So I said, I said, if you told me, if you if you told me to put this out, I'm gonna sue the city. I've already spent twenty two thousand dollars, and I'll sue the city for that twenty two thousand. So he called the city engineer in front of me, and she's talking in my phone in my office, and she's talking to him. He says, uh, uh, Pastor Rodriguez said that he could put up a tent and gave him permission. She says, I know, I gave him permission. I don't know why, but I said yes. And he said, Okay, Pastor, leave it up, put it up, forget about it. Forty five days. In forty days, the mayor calls me. The mayor said, Pastor, please put the tent down. I said, five more days. 
And the fifth day, we, bought, we got a, an a, 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 a above-ground pool, and we baptized. We had 400 people come to Christ. You see, because we have the power and we have the authority. Christ has given us. What's the difference? Authority is when you got a piece of paper, the city tells you you can build a house in the corner. You got the authority. But if you don't have the money, you don't have power. I, th- this guy in my church, he, uh, he was a Satanist, bad Satanist. I mean, he would eat flesh. I mean, he had a coven. It was evil. I mean, the guy had, he, he, he would, the devil would show up. He destroyed so many people. And he was so evil, it was unbelievable. But he got saved. He went to his mother's house, but she was a Christian. He wanted to kill her. And there was this big man in front of the house, pinned him to the floor, didn't let him do it. Then he ran to his sister's house, and, she, and he, the same man was in his sister's house. <laughs> and, 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 and he said, devil, you lied to me? He used to call him master. He says, you, you told me you're more powerful, and these guys are stopping me. And the devil told him, God is going to call you tomorrow. Take your life. So he went to his coven. They beat him up. They wanted to kill him. And he ended up the next day in his mother's house, all wounded, all destroyed, but he didn't die. And he heard the voice of God. It says, called him and said, Edwin. And he, and he started cursing at God. He says, why are you calling me? I hate you. I don't want anything to do with you. And God called him the second time. He says, stop calling me. I hate you. And cursing at God. The third time, he gave his heart to Christ. I asked him, why do you do that? But the third time, he says, there was so much love in that voice that I couldn't resist it. So much love in that voice. Now, this is it. When he got, I, I interviewed him in my program. I got a, t- a program on TBN. I says, and I asked him, but and when the program was over, I said, Edwin, but, you know, I've, I've met a lot of Satanists. And when they get saved, the devil just doesn't let them go that easy. He says, no, for three years, every night, he showed up my, in my room and he tried to choke me and I had to bleed, bleed the blood. I said, and what happened after three years that he didn't come back? He says, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. The day God baptized me, he didn't come back again. Because now, not only do I have the authority, I got the power. All this Christ did on that cross. Don't lose your sight. It's about him and it's not about you. And the message is Jesus died for you and for me. Let us stand.